Hello guys welcome to the brains and needles podcast so today we are going to talk about dka diabetic ketoacidosis so what is dka or diabetic ketoacidosis so it is a severe life threatening complication in which the patient's body goes into ketogenesis formation of ketone bodies we'll come back to it now what are the likely scenarios where a patient with uh, diabetes might get into ketosis so firstly as the name is diabetic ketoacidosis a patient is diabetic and under certain circumstances goes goes into ketosis so what are the likely scenarios in which diabetic ketoacidosis can occur or the person having diabetes uh, can go under ketogenesis and further develop diabetic ketoacidotic coma so firstly the patient should have diabetes type 1 or type 2 most probable patient with these kind of complication will have type 1 diabetes but in some cases even type 2 diabetes patient can develop dka so what are the f- factors or the scenarios under which one person or a patient can patient's body can go into ketosis or ketogenesis like formation of ketone bodies so firstly uh, there might be a patient who is undiagnosed and only now presents with some of the symptoms of dka where the patient has never been under any test doesn't know his sugar levels or any sort of thing the second scenario where we know that the patient has diabetes or has gone under some test after which the patient knows and is diagnosed with diabetes let's take in this case a patient is diagnosed with diabetes type 1 henceforth we'll just refer to the patient with diabetes type 1 because the probability of patient with diabetic type 1 getting dka is more than diabetes type 2 patient so the patient has diabetes we have diagnosed it but there can be scenarios in which uh, there is compliance and non non compliance so what is compliance compliance is like so me as a doctor or endocrinologist gives a patient a certain dose of insulin to be taken uh, maybe short acting long acting anything and the person person follows it that is compliance where a non compliant patient may be person who is not taking insulin on time uh, or is just forgetting to take insulin or is just careless to not know how much units to be taken after eating food or the regularity of it being taken so there are two problems so one with the compliance so now we have given a certain amount of units of insulin to the patient the patient follows it properly no problem but what can be the other factors which can you know increase the amount of or increase the demand for insulin So firstly you should understand that in dka or specifically in diabetes in general the patient in type 1 diabetes the patient's beta cells of islet of langerhans cannot produce insulin so there is severe drop of insulin production or secretion in the patient so the patient cannot produce insulin so have to take uh, insulin through synthetic insulin and to to so that the glucose in the body is utilized so patient who is taking insulin 
under doctor's advice and still can develop decay so what are the probable causes there are some uh, scenarios in which the patient might be taking everything properly but due to certain other factors like if say a patient has some infection let's say a respiratory infection a sepsis a gastrointestinal infection that time insulin demand goes high because insulin is needed so that the glucose can go inside a cell or the peripheral tissue to go under its metabolism or further process of uh, extracting energy of sorts second case can be a trauma or let's say a patient is going under some surgery some kind of infarction most probably a myocardial infarction it can be also if you think about an eccentric infarction so these are the problems when a patient is compliant but still the insulin demand increases due to this other factors which i mentioned now let's talk about the non compliant patient like the one which i mentioned the patient is given x amount of units to be taken after meals and you know calculate the bread units and take the insulin so here certainly the patient is at fault because the patient is in counting and is not careful enough to count the number of insulin units and the amount of bread units eaten or the carb he has consumed so that is another problem which is which can exacerbate this exacerbate to cause a decay so now let's talk what happens when the insulin demand increases and certainly the patient is diabetic so you know the insulin production of the secretion is very like the body is deficient of producing insulin so what happens there are contra regulatory hormones or the hormones which are contra insulin which when the insulin goes down these hormones go up like for example the first hormone being if you look in the pancreatic cells um the alpha cells secrete glucagon which inhibits insulin secretion and from the central nervous system and the adrenal medulla there can be epinephrine the cortisol from the adrenal cortex is released and the growth hormone is also released so the all the four hormones which i mentioned uh, the level goes up and there is a ratio between insulin and the the following hormones which i mentioned the contra regulatory hormones which is disturbed and due to this disturb disturbance there is some consequences now we'll see how each and every uh, system is affected and how it leads to a you know vicious cycle leading to decay and eventually can cause death or coma uh so let's again uh, go back and remember what i said your insulin level is down so there are counter insulin hormones like from the anterior pituitary growth hormone the cortisol from the adrenal cortex the epinephrine from the cns and the medulla adrenal medulla and uh, glucagon from the alpha cells of ileotoglangahan so now there's a very funny situation because in the body insulin is low and there's due to insulin is low there is more circulating glucose in the blood but when the insulin goes down these hormones they cause the or other systems in the body to increase the glucose into the blood which is more you know it is adding to the cause because 
already we have lot of glucose in the body which is not been utilized and moreover these hormones are causing other you know other other systems to increase the amount of glucose why it is happening because the peripheral tissue is not getting glucose which is sending the signal that there is no glucose but actually there is glucose in the bloodstream it's just that it is not been reached to the point where it should go so therefore the body is fooled and the body starts producing glucose from different um you know systems of the body so firstly we should know uh then uh, our body is in we need insulin so that the glucose can be utilized but don't forget like uh, this uh, scrotum if so this scrotum and the brain although uh, we don't use it as much the brain but it's very well engineered you know even if there is no like it is not insulin dependent to get glucose for energy and brain is one of the most important part of the body so you know it is not insulin dependent and even our scrotum as you know the importance of it so even it is not dependent on insulin to get glucose so let's move to the subject we're talking about so now what happens uh, you know liver is the main metabolizing organ or all the metabolization mostly occurs in the liver so what happens in the liver so now let's move deeper in the liver so there's no insulin so what happens uh, there is glycogen storage in the liver so liver will use these glycogens and break it down and release glucose because the body is full again the insulin is down all these counter insulin hormones go up they they signal the body to release more glucose because peripheral tissue think that they don't have glucose so now we're talking about the liver so what happens in the liver there is breakdown of glycogen glyconeolysis so glyconeolysis or the breakdown of glycogen so when what happens there is more glucose in the blood now second thing that happens is gluconeogenesis in the liver what is it like it is basically formation of glucose from non carbohydrate source so what are the non carbohydrate source again it can be amino acids free fatty acids we'll further look from where all these you know non carbohydrate sources account to releasing of glucose from the liver into the blood stream now let's say uh, what is the most uh, relatable thing now you think about like our muscles right uh, our muscles they can produce glycogen or you can the liver needs raw material right like the non carbohydrate source to you know to uh, cause gluconeogenesis so now we can take talk about the muscle so what happens in the muscle in the muscles so in the muscle what happens like we for the liver to go under glycogen uh, to go under gluconeogenesis we need raw material so in the muscle we have protein which is then broken down into amino acids which can then be utilized by the liver to go under gluconeogenesis another thing is in the muscle we also know there is something like glycogen which is broken down and will eventually give liver raw materials one thing to remember in the in the muscle the glycogen cannot be broken down to glucose directly of course you need the liver to metabolize it so the f- 
the initial steps like from the glycogen to the glucose 6 phosphate you know the glycolysis occurs in the muscle from glycogen to glucose 6 phosphate to lactate and from you know the lactate then going to the liver which is if you remember from a biochemistry it is known as the cori cycle uh so basically it's breaking down of like it is glycolysis in the muscle and it up to the lactate and then the lactate is used as a raw material to go under gluconeogenesis which again increases the glucose another interesting being let's say what are the other sources fatty acids free fatty acids the fatty acids need to come from a fat molecule or adipose tissue so in the adipose tissue in the adipose tissue we have you know triglycerides so triglycerides are broken down uh triglycerides are broken down by lipases which break down the triglycerides so triglycerides have one glycerol molecule and free fat free fatty acids attached to it so there is this lipo protein lipase they cause uh, breakdown of these bonds and glycerol and free fatty acid will go to the liver in the liver it will go into the mitochondria and as it will be used as ketones you know it will be used as ketones because uh, these are glycerol and free fatty acids i'll come back to it and go in further detail so when it goes into mitochondria and it will release ketone bodies so what are ketone bodies you know? if you guys are in the third year onwards you'll always think whenever there's diabetic acidosis even in the second year you have always uh, seen in the ketosis in the ketosis if you look at the steps you'll always see getting beta hydroxybutyric acid but let me tell you it is just a byproduct of the process of ketosis it is not ketone body actual ketone body is acetoacetate and acetone these are the ketone body which are produced and acetone being the most produced and most abundant always remember that the te- blood test or in the biochemistry you always see beta hydroxybutyric acid which is a by product of it it is always present whenever but the main ketone body is acid uh, main ketone body is acetoacetate and acetone so what happens further now the ketone body which are released they are highly acidic they release lot of protons and you know um in our body there is you know maintenance of ph uh, so that it is not not too acidic or not too you uh, know uh, alkaline so you know due to this ketone body there is lot of acid being produced so lot of acid being produced and this triggers certain pumps in our body i'll talk about it later i'll come back to it and because we need to know what happens in the initial stages when the patient goes under diabetic ketosis in thing being is the naturally being the bicarbonate which will counter the acidic substance so the bicarbonate which is present in the body uh, it will try to compensate what happens when the acid is very high and you know our body has bicarbonates naturally the chemicals will try to you know go under reaction so what will happen this acids being h protons will react with the bicarbonate co3 and will form carbonic acid which will then dissociate into carbon dioxide and um, water now let me ask you something whenever you if you are already done with the clinical part or if you have some general knowledge or you know you have just heard you always listen about kusmal's breathing about patient having this different type of breathing this very characteristic to you know a diabetic ketoacidosis so why it happens 
now let's jump back to the place where we stopped so when this reaction occurs occurs what what is produced carbonic acid because h we have one protons just take a single event so we have one proton now that co3 they'll mix h2 co3 which is carbonic acid and then you know they'll dissociate into carbon dioxide and so water will naturally go into the kidneys and will be excreted but uh, what happens this carbon dioxide goes into the lungs and Uh, carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide pollution abundance what happens the cns is triggered and it curtails the lung to you know to basically it causes in causes deep breathing you know uh, so the patient inspires deeply you know like this so you know and uh, firstly tachy there's tachypnea because you know initially there's tachypnea the patient's breathing rate is very high 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 uh, and also the patient tries to you know fill in the full tidal volume so patient develops kusmal's breathing due to this mechanism during kusmal's breathing what happens what are the byproducts or the products of ketone body what are the ketone body in abundance acetone is produced so even in the breath you can smell acetone you have a sweet smell and you can smell it from a distance as well while kusmal breathing the patient will have deep tachypnea breathing with sweet smell of acetone So now let's move to the kidney. So what will happen? There's more amount of glucose in the blood, so eventually it has to get excreted. So in the in the urine we have glucosuria, and also you know that due to lots of ketone bodies present in the blood, there will be ketone urea as well. Now let's jump the point where I told you when the acid increases, there are certain pumps. So the first one, the second I mentioned uh, bicarbonate. So these pumps are known as potassium potassium pumps. What are these? So whenever there is increase of acids, so what will happen? Whenever there is increase of acid, the potassium from these pumps are given out. There is loss of potassium. So initially, when the patient comes, the patient comes with high potassium in the blood, which eventually will be lost in the urine. So initially, the patient might have hyperkalemia, and then after that you know the there's increased loss of potassium which also I'll talk about in the kidney also it is precipitated how more potassium is lost in the kidney now let's jump back to the kidney in kidney you have glucosuria due to the more amount of glucose in the blood then ketonuria but natural is due to the ketone bodies uh, then you'll have kaliuria which is you know potassium being deposited in the uh kidneys from the blood what happens usually when glucose is you know from the bowman's capsule it is filtered down usually in the proximal convoluted tubule this glucose is absorbed back into the blood because there is so much amount so the amount of glucose is so high in the blood it is not been absorbed it has been excreted as you know even if we have extra money you know we just want to flex and you know spend all of it we need extra So same way the body also try to extract the glucose. So along the way, what happens when there's so much amount of glucose due to you know osmosis or like osmotically it also takes in more water from these these you know from in the nephrons, and more number of water molecules are drawn in the excretion process. So when more number of water is drawn, what do you think? Imagine the Amazon River. That's a water which is a very high force. So eventually, anything and everything inside coming in contact with it, 
if it it will also move inside the river same way when the glucose is taken so much water molecules there's turbulence and due to this turbulence other molecules are also lost in the um also lost along with you know other minerals also lost along with glucose in the urine then can be phosphate urea and other minerals can also be lost now when you come to the distal convoluted tubule they, there is some in the distal convoluted tubule there is due there is also loss of potassium from the distal convoluted tubule into the urine which precipitates the calliuria which i mentioned so this again precipitates it so what the most important part git so what happens you already losing so much water you are dehydrated so what you'll do there'll be increased thirst you have there will be increased thirst and there will be polydipsia you know you want more water to drink and your mouth will be dry there'll be polydipsia there will be loss of weight due to dehydration so you know so let's now have a summary so what happens insulin is low so your yeah, all the hormones if if you want to repeat it or write it down if you remember you can write it down if you remember what i said so i'll mention it again growth hormone from the anterior pituitary cortisol from the cortex of adrenal from the medulla and the cns epinephrine and and glucagon from the alpha cells so these hormones what will cause it will cause systemic changes so in the muscle it will go under glycolysis which is formation from glycogen to glucose 6 phosphate to lactate and there is a core cycle when it goes to the liver which gives it raw material to go in the gluconeogenesis and for gluconeogenesis in the liver we need more raw material in non carbohydrate source so the second thing is amino acid again protein the muscle is broken down and it goes to the liver and another source from where it can come is fatty acids so in the adipose tissue there are complex of free fatty acids and reserves uh, in the triglycerides so it is broken down by lipase uh, is broken down by the lipids to lipoprotein lipid um which breaks it down and free fatty acid glycerol is sent to the mitochondria of the liver which forms ketone bodies i'll repeat the ketone bodies again main ketone body is acetone and acetic acid as uh, beta hydroxybutyric acid is only the byproduct so and what is the main uh, one of the main characteristic comes up with between the acid reacts with the bicarbonates forms carbonic acids you to h2 you to goes tell the cns to increase the tidal volume increase deep respiration tachypnea and you have sweet smell due to acetone to small breathing come to the kidneys glucose is flushed down takes more water with it potassium is lost from the potassium pumps also from the distal convoluted tubules also phosphate urea and other minerals are lost due to the turbulence caused by the amount of glucose and water being flushed out and which is also called polyuria because the frequent urination also we have polydipsia because there's increased thirst dehydrated state so these all and the cns i mentioned the kusmal breathing and the lungs also covered and under it so now let's create a patient so when a patient comes to you, uh let's say the patient will have blood glucose of more than 250 uh ph might be less than 7.3 bicarbonate the so normal level is 25 to 29 mega equivalents uh, equivalent but uh, let's say in this case it's less than 15 and ketone is more than 5 millimole per liter so this is the patient so how do we treat the patient like three main steps so you give um, fluid replacement or oh, no okay let's put it like you give insulin you bring down the glucose level down then you give fluid fluid 
to the con- counter the dehydration and then you give um, potassium is this the right order no this isn't the right order so right order will be firstly giving fluid replacement then giving insulin therapy which is controlled insulin therapy all insulin is not pushed at once because whenever as i mentioned when the insulin is given it causes potassium to go down the patient can die of arrhythmia or cardiac arrest so remember for fluid replacement insulin and after that you bring the potassium to the base value so you should remember always remember the potassium should be like maybe more than that the potassium is brought to the base level because never give an patient will say i okay patient has diabetic ketoacidosis this is uh, sugar is 250 you know i will I'll just give insulin, bring down the sugar, I've treated the patient. No, you'll kill the patient due to hypo, hypokalemia, which will cause arrhythmia and cardiac arrest. So remember, first fluid replacement, then you give your insulin and then potassium therapy. Remember potassium IV. Remember you have to give insulin in a controlled manner, in a controlled manner. So let's talk about the whole scenario. The patient comes to you. So firstly, we need to do a thorough history and examination. This has been taught to you since the third year. How important is the anamnesis, the history of the patient to diagnose the patient. Second thing, we have to do the first thing when the patient comes is ABC, airway, breathing, and circulation. So you check the airway is the patient breathing properly the respiratory rate the type of breathing in the type of breathing you can find the cosmalt breathing tachypnea and the sweet smell in circulation we should have iv access because in the hospital as soon as the patient gave comes we gave for given iv we start with the fluid replacement so no uh, and also we take blood for investigation uh, administer iv fluids like saline and administer insulin slowly in the investigation we'll do air blood gases to see what's going on i've mentioned the pat physiology of it uh, you do a total blood count uh, so that you should also rule out infections or any, any uh, we should also do blood biochemistry because i said infections in pops can cause the amount of insulin to rise also you should do an ecg to if the patient is lost a lot of potassium can go into you know can have a or you know or uh, can have arrhythmias you know or that sort of thing and you should do urine analysis for the things i mean caluria polyuria glucosuria because lots of leukocytes are also you know given out ketonuria and phosphatidia uh should be taken you should monitor ph using air blood gases so it's always remember uh, during when the insulin is very low and all these hormones acting the leukocytes are increased in the blood so there, there might be some instances where the patient uh, is infected but the patient will have hypothermia hypothermia in diabetic ketoacidosis the patient goes into hypothermia so if you look at the patient you will see the patient is normal the temperature is normal but still the infection might persist so you should look for the blood to for blood for the infection in some cases you know the patient might be absolutely normal but still the leukocytes may rise so you know a smart doctor should know that the patient can be in hypothermia and not show on the immediate temperature not show on the thermometer that the patient is having fever so you should check for the blood for that we use monitor ph uh, abgs urine analysis ecgs and you know 
blood cultures maybe if you want for the infection or have a previous history of some sort so that's all for today remember if you sit down for this podcast you're listening have an pen or a paper to jot down some points you know so it will be better for you to remember the next time always you can listen to the podcast again uh, but you know jot down with a pen or a pencil so you remember this stuff and uh, again uh, subscribe to a brains and needle channel on instagram uh, and facebook and youtube as well you can subscribe and share it please share with your fellow friends i just want it to reach as many students as it can because i really want my fellow mates to understand it in a simpler sim- it understand the subjects in simpler words in an interesting way being a podcast thank you that's all for today Thank you.